work week, am I right? But do you know what would make it a little bit better? Doing church on a Sunday and then listening to a podcast about the sermon. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Church Collingswood. Each week we'll spend some time unpacking Sunday sermonics, and we hope that you'll be able to connect a little deeper with the message and the messenger. It's a win, if we can make your work week a little less blue. House lights down. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem. Hello. We're doing it again. Excited. For a couple times more. Yeah. Not so much longer. We were taking a break. I heard just now. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Some, summer, summer break is coming, so season Summer vacation three. around the corner. What yeah. will you do? What will you listen to on your way to the beach? That's actually a good question. Well, I, yeah, I, I haven't decided if we're going to keep like five golden things. Uh-huh. Maybe we keep five golden things going. Or... Oh, the light, the light summer. Or you, maybe you should introduce a summer podcast. Oh, this is my not a bad idea. I'm, I'm meeting with Pat on Friday. Pat, Let's let's just do a totally new thing over the summer that's going <laughs> to yeah, require a ton of that. work. Um, <laughs> summer, it could be just summer. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I have all the ideas. I'm always ideas. That's but, true. Um, I am a little stuffy this today, but guys, it's not COVID. <laughs> it is allergies. It happens every uh-huh. year. Nervous I laughter. Kind of, I kind of blame the cross ventilation that you used on Sunday. Like you were, it like my whole weekend has been shot with allergies and. I think it was all because of the cross ventilation. I mean, it was either that or sweltering heat. <laughs> These aren't good choices that we're dealt right now. I know. Well, um, anyway, I apologize for my uh, congestedness. You'll have to make up for it by speaking. Yeah, you have, so you have a smoker's voice this morning. I like it. Yeah. Sultry. <laughs> Back in my it's smoking your days. Kathleen Turner phase. Yeah. Um, but let's. She didn't get that reference. I didn't. What are you even? <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> We Keep going. A game show in which um, every week you stump me with things, <laughs> pop culture references that I definitely don't get. That would be hilarious. I'm, so, I'm sorry, baby. I, I should not have said that. <laughs> this that is driven apology mode. Oh, I like it. Um, what else can I guilt trip you about? Okay. I don't know. Um, okay, we're going to move move into Call It Storm in Monday. We both have things to get to. Um, mm. Have you ever wondered what it's like to sit in a room with pastors? Oh. Jim, Jim revealed that this morning with his intro. Oh, right. wait, that's not. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm I'm really out of it. <laughs> the Allerg- Benadryl is still med. still kicked in. Yeah. Um. Anyway, you can. <laughs> okay, I'll just start talking. Here we go. Calling it Stormy Monday, and um, you you just gave me the implied question: What was going on in your life? <laughs> Last week, as you were going through the sermon, so how about I just start <laughs> there? I hate outlines. The... So last week was another heavy week um, with uh, shootings in Uvalde. So that was front and center in in my mind. And the week before was uh, racially motivated shootings in in Buffalo. So between that and speaking of the room full of pastors at the All Liberty Retreat, there was a lot of heaviness shared there too as it relates to just life being kind of still grim it's been a hard couple of years and there's just more hard things coming whether pandemic whether these shootings whether other stuff and in god's providence as it was feeling like a particularly heavy week i encountered a genealogy to have to preach from so those (laughs) those were the those were the factors uh, the different pieces that went into making the sermon for this Sunday. 
I'm not. Yeah. Now I'm realizing. Oh, that is why I blanked out on what the sermon's about because I just didn't want to be sitting in the sadness, which yeah. is important. It is, and um, yeah, um, it is an important thing to sit with. And yeah, you're also facing this genealogy. I, I am, I am surprised by how well it turned, or how you used, <laughs> how you used a joint genealogy to really help us. Sit with, um, sit with the message. Sit with the concept. I'm, I'm sorry. Was that a compliment? <laughs> <Did I? laughs> this Did is I a really loopy there? Emily. You're getting yeah. for something that's quite serious. I, I feel like, I feel like it was, it was a particularly difficult um, week or set set of weeks for you to have to like be thinking through things. And um, one of my emotional responses is to try to forget. <laughs> right. So. <laughs> So, so the the pastor's retreat I said was a little bit of inside baseball. Starting the sermon, a little bit of inside baseball. Going back to my week last week. Did you and, play baseball? And I mentioned this to you in as it was unfolding. So, Watching Genesis chapter ten. It was going over this genealogy, and my plan was I I usually my my sermon prep it starts about a week and a half out. So, Wednesday or Thursday. A week and a half before the sermon is preached is when I start doing commentary work. I didn't do commentary work a week and a half before on this sermon because still kind of off-ramping from a heavy travel season for me with, with various things. I figured, well, I can just go back and look at some old sermon notes to save a little bit of time in sermon prep. And then I realized when I went back to check my old sermon series from Genesis it which I had done twice, uh, it was missing. Because so it didn't exist. It turns out that <laughs> in in my previous jaunts through the opening chapters of Genesis, I in fact skipped Genesis ten because it was Who just this hugely long genealogy. genealogy. But I was committed. I said I'm going to do it. So it turned out to be a rushed week of preparation because I had no old notes to fall back on as I had planned on doing. So it was just a lot of things happening last week. Poor Jim. I love pressure, but it was fine. <laughs> poor, poor you. Um, so tell us about moving on to the next section then. Tell us more about this passage as you like had to sit down and stare at a list of names. Yes. So Presence of the Lord, Sun Studios, looking at 32 verses of genealogy. And sometimes genealogies have little mini stories baked into them in different ways. This genealogy has less detail and narrative even than some other genealogies that that we've seen or will see including a couple Sundays from now as we wrap up the Genesis sermon series Wait, at least for this year. you're doing another genealogy? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's Tower of Babel and then one more genealogy <laughs> to end the sermon series. Uh, mark your calendars, guys. That's why I said it's a record. Four genealogies in the course were, of the ministry you're year. You're counting ne- the next one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was wondering. I was like, really? But So there's one in Matthew and then three in... In Genesis, oh, so man. yeah, love it. So genealogy, and this specific one is what's been called Table of Nations. So commentators, and I think it's both Christian and Jewish scholars and interpreters will call this the the Table of Nations. Genesis ten after the flood, Ham, Shem, and Japheth, the three sons of Noah. This is how the world was populated after the flood, and. When we look at genealogies, I've, I said on Sunday morning, um, the, the key is not just going name by name, place by place, mm-hmm. but 
Which I'm sure has been done. Which I'm sure has been done in, in the history of synagogues and churches, for sure. But instead, look at what's interesting, what stands out, what's out of the ordinary, and kind of reading it from the, from the seams. Not really a deconstruction, but... Mm-hmm. Looking for looking for things that 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 don't fit patterns, mm-hmm. and the first part of the sermon was talking about how what doesn't fit the pattern in the context of other ancient cultures is that there are no other tables of nations that we find as we look for comps. Just the one, and just the one nation model of genealogy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what first of all, what is table of nations? Where is the origin of that word? That's probably random. Hmm. That's a good question, and I do not know the answer. Okay. Why is it called table, table of nations? So. And yeah. it really scoured through the scoured through the ancient records. There's really no one else talking about the 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 extent of leadership in other nations. Yeah, UN record. So so this is the sort of thing I I got this from the commentaries this week. I pretty much use three comment. My my average for a standard sermon is I'll look at three commentaries, and I mm-hmm. I there's some preachers that look at you know five to ten commentaries. Per sermon to me that's a little bit of overkill but I do carefully choose the commentaries going into any sermon series mm-hmm. to get a balance of perspective so it defeats the purpose to have however number of commentaries right but have it say the same thing so two out of the three commentaries citing different sources made the point that there are no analogous tables of nations in in other ancient cultures this is the sort of thing where if I if I had so I'm a little bit jealous of pastors of larger churches where they have like a research assistant uh-huh. or somebody that at least <laughs> one of their hats. In. Yeah, I uh-huh. I would have asked the research assistant, hey, could, could we double check this just to make sure? Because I did put a lot of weight yeah. on that point. But I... My my research assistant was was the other part last of your week. The, and so so I had to do all my own research and uh, no I I am my own research Are you assistant for a uh, wolf too. Oh hey th- that would be great you you know one thing that that pastors of larger churches have and you might not know this Masseuses. this this is double <laughs> inside gosh this is double inside baseball there there are companies and research firms specifically devoted to sermon prep that you can hire and as much Better money than plagiarism as, as <laughs> also true as much money as you want to spend you could go to one of these companies and say hey i'm doing a sermon series for example on the book of genesis can you give me and, and these are the topics that i want to cover can you give me 100 200 300 500 pages uh-huh. of background research cultural research to to give me everything that i want to see to be able to to create that sermon must be nice. That's basically my job right now, actually. <laughs> not the not at the church job, the like actual job. Right. Yeah. So 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 I I was a little bit tentative without doing more research, but I could do what I could do. And so the fact that this is unique table of nations for one nation going beyond its borders to think about global history, Mm -hmm. emphasizing the fact that there is one world, one Lord, and one common humanity united in the image of God. That that felt worth pressing this past Sunday. Globally, it does seem like that is a truth that resonates for us as Americans, but also other people in other countries. Like, people are really 
prone to nationalism where you only understand the world from your own perspective at one level. Like there are, of course, um, uh, people who are trying to do um, to understand more globally what's going on, but um, that's lesser. That's something you have to really fight for or push for. So it is interesting conceptually to think, okay, so human nature wise, we all do want to be kind of monocultural, but to like say that Christianity is something bigger and that God is a uniter of nations is, is an interesting point. Yeah. And I think, and we'll talk about in Muddying the Waters, um, how this pushes against both some impulses to factionalism on the right and on the left. And so, yeah, I think at one level, you're not going to get a ton of pushback from people to say that, yeah, there's one humanity, not not uh-huh. many. But it actually becomes a lot more complicated pretty quickly than that. So so that felt like a rich vein to mine for sure. this past Sunday. Sure. And then we also had, so if that was the one part, then why why is this genealogy placed here? And I, I was pretty far through this sermon before I came back and talked about how Genesis right. 10 is disc and 11 are dischronologized <laughs> chapters where technically it should be the Tower of Babel that occurs before this table of nations. But that's been one of the classic interpretive questions why? for, yeah, why? Someone and, just tear off the page by accident. Right. And so the, the, the choice that you need to make as interpreters and people in the church and in Judaism have gone in either direction the the interpretive question that you need to answer when you try to figure out why the dischronologization here is is there an intentional editing process by which the original author said here are a set of reasons and this is all under the inspiration of god and the holy spirit so the spirit's working in this process it doesn't make it less inspired or less god's word mm-hmm. that these interpretive choices went into the construction of genesis is there intentionality behind it and if so what or on the other hand is it really just a bad copy and paste job where, right. where there's no intentionality and this is just a haphazardly assembled book mm-hmm. so i'm very much in the camp of the former saying sure, saying that there are that in part because of my doctrine of scripture and theory of inspiration that yes there is intentionality built into why this and not that that doesn't mean that we have the answers to all of those questions in a specific right. case but yes why why is the table of nations put before the tower of babel and it seems like there's consensus around the fact that the table of nations coming right after the flood more specifically the curse on Canaan and Ham's sin against Noah, there's a reaffirmation of the goodness of the world that God is building. So uh-huh. and you can kind of look at it as two different perspectives. If the Tower of Babel is more a negative perspective on nations the variety spreading. of nations, the Table of Nations in Genesis 10 sort of tells the same story, but in this case, from the perspective that God is at work by his common grace mm-hmm. in the diversity of nations that, that are being built. And so it's an affirmation of life after things seem to things seem to go off track pretty quickly after the flood. It's kind of like uh, if you think of a movie that's dechronologized or a f- work of fiction that is yeah. also where the intentionality of a film writer or a screenwriter or um, 
an author, like the purposes of them telling the story out of order is usually to give more context to the piece of history, yeah, the the event that's occurring. And so when it's done well, it it yeah, you can convey meaning by the fact that you've like dischronologized it. But it is more complicated than like maybe we're able to read if we were reading this text just by ourselves. Yeah. So so I think if people are reading straight through the beginning chapters of Genesis, it quite likely the reader would say, "Hey, why does this table of nations occur before Babel?" The, the original reader, you mean? Like cuz I wouldn't have no- noticed. Oh. <laughs> well, just any reader. <laughs> Care- careful, careful readers. Reader. <laughs> you know Thoughtful who you reader. are. <laughs> Apparently, who you aren't. <laughs> so, yep, the, that and that that was saying, hey, we should still have hope for our world because mm-hmm. God's at work yeah. uh, to build a good world. And then the other thing that comes to mind um, in this section is how to relate this passage forward to Jesus crucified and resurrected. There is the Jesus sending out the 70 or 72 in Luke chapter 10, mm-hmm. which does seem to be an allusion to this passage yeah. where you have the 70, the 70 nations here and then Jesus sending out the same number of mm-hmm. disciples as a repopulation of the nations with a new humanity as agents of peace. So that was fun. Numerologists. Right. That's right. That's right. And then... At the end of the sermon, I just talked about how Jesus reckons with our sin on the cross. So if I like the connection at the end of the first point to Luke chapter 10, the connection to Jesus at the end of the sermon, the second point, it was less artful. There was less of an organic connection to the text. Sometimes I can figure out how to do it skillfully, hopefully, or other times it's like, I don't exactly know how to get from the table of nations here to Jesus organically. I, I guess I could have traced Jesus' genealogy forward, kind of like what Kyle connected last week, but he already did that last week. And because the clock was ticking, I was Jack Bauer 24, I need to get this sermon finished. I just said, okay, I just talked about the genealogy, now I'm going to end the sermon by talking about Jesus. Yeah. And that's all you can do sometimes. I so. feel like it worked. I, I noticed the gap. Um, mm, the sleight of hand, <laughs> the sermonic sleight of hand to Ooh, yeah, the, imply cohesiveness when there actually is right. less than no, it may seem. I mean, I think that there is a connection. I just, I, or like when you were saying, like you're saying about Jesus sending, sending out mm-hmm. the disciples, I think that it's, I think that the connection is there. Sure. Personally, but. Okay. Um, Let's go with that. Mudding the waters as you were constructing all this, like mm-hmm. you've already alluded to, um, trying to hit some of the context of uh the difficult space that people are in and some of it is like a a a mental space of hopelessness Mm -hmm. um that that kind of permeates and is pretty pervasive um amongst things so like this the main this central theme of god that there being still hope for Mm -hmm. nations isn't is like powerful it's important yeah so that that brings to mind the story from Jesse. Oh, that's did, why you're did, did did you remember that story? I did. The, yeah. Right. So but she is still like that. <laughs> getting she's get, getting back from the shore, Jesse not being able to walk under her own power from the car back into the house mm-hmm. and cried, stumbled right out of the van and said, "Everything is hard for me right yeah. now." So I I I was also down to the wire and terms of getting that sermon permission so uh-huh. i i had that illustration 
it's kind that of story central, pre- pretty... yeah pr- pretty much all week and i kept telling myself i need to remember to ask jesse's permission before 11 a.m on sunday and morning. then ironically actually it's very very uh connected like she like had been up all night with like leg pains or right. something and so she Some was kind of like growing pains. when i walked in the room she was like tearful and like she had been icing her legs and um was just like i can't or i need to i she didn't even say i can't go to church i just said you don't have to go to church right but dad had a question for you (laughs) (laughs) hey sorry you can't go to church but dad has a question for you that he needs needs but you know afterwards after you talked to her she messaged me i think it was on my way to church or something she messaged me that she was just going to come late or something Mm -hmm. but she never did right because no one was there to carry her (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) maybe we should uh, yeah i should probably make her at least listen to that illustration yeah um yeah so the so so i she she wasn't out of bed by the time i had to go to meetings and then go to church i ended up calling her from the sanctuary just a couple minutes before the service was starting to get permission for the story and she's like, yeah, that's fine. So, yep, Jesse was not able to walk out of the van, stumbled, cried. Everything is hard for me right now, Daddy. She just mm-hmm. kind of collapsed under the weight of the pain that she was feeling. And that, that does seem like a fair analogy for uh, how people are feeling. Real, real quick, if Jesse had not given permission, which would have been totally fine, I, w- I would have kept the story in but t- oh, made anonymous. it about myself. As in, like, yeah, yeah. with my parents uh-huh. t- retelling the story to uh-huh. me that... You were After so careful a road trip about or your HIPAA, HIPAA privacy laws with our family, and well, you've been traumatized by other pastors' stories. I mean, about it's it's, it's an easy it's you. an easy fail <laughs> for pastors not to get that permission in sermons, and then that's one uh-huh. of the number one. Yeah, but it made her want to come to the sermon, even though <laughs> she didn't. <laughs> She's like, the service could feature me, right? <laughs> Yeah. Be there. So 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 most of all, it's Clara, our fifth grader, oh, who, who has said, "My dad, my answer is always yes. If you want to use oh, a yeah, story you about get me, clearance like the, just just a contract from each of them." Yeah, I pretty much have pre-clearance <laughs> from Clara. She's like, "This is great." If I get mess- mentioned at the sermon, the the boys were always more like, "Ah, could you leave I me out to, like, of what you're preaching I about?" Have a contract where like I'm paid a certain amount of royalties <laughs> for usage of. Illustration. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I guess you found a segue. The, right. So everything is hard. And yeah. talking about both difficult in terms of the world being so fractionalized. And sometimes I think I'm, I'm beating a dead horse when it comes to tribalization and polarization. But it still seems to be there. Mm-hmm. And worth talking about. Worth talking about in the sermon again so remembering that hey we're all made in the image of god and we need to practice that as the basis for real unity under Mm -hmm. god and then the the other part this is more my synthesizing various threads that read about listen about if if not the image of god is a basis practically speaking for unity where are we going to get that unity and my best guess is to the answer both from the secular right and the secular left about where unity comes. It seems like the answer is well alignment and hey, we'll we'll That's be unified. Not gonna happen when you start when you start agreeing with me mm-hmm. <laughs> and and that 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 ship has sailed. And I I I think as well that there is in various secularities across the spectrum, 
there's a fracturing and a flattening where their worldviews admit no quarter as far as allowing for any disagreement. And if there's any disagreement, it is a seen as a personal attack mm-hmm. on somebody. And my perception is that the deeper you go into hardcore secularities towards any extremes, they just get angrier and angrier right. and angrier. And there's right. also, a, I, I cut this out for the sake of time, there's a there's a self-cannibalization on both sides of the aisle where you eventually become paranoid not towards your enemies but towards across the, the aisle yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. but the people in the center right yeah tw- towards the center but then also your own people well like are you are you committed enough are you extreme That's enough what I mean yeah and and so you see that in the political spheres where there are lots of fractures in the political right and the political uh-huh. left because you know you're not right or left enough. And it seems like that's just kind of going to be going to be the baseline baseline moving moving forward in ways that are pretty unhelpful. So trying to say, hey, we're all made in the image of God, not not going to make headlines by saying that. But there are some real rubber hits the road Mm -hmm. implications of that, that we need to get better at living out. So that 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 did feel worthy of emphasis in this moment. And then the other part addressing the hopelessness that we feel, including as a result of these recent shootings where people are just really, really shaken up. And again, hey, God's in charge. It's a good world. We can have hope, not headline grabbing Mm -hmm. news flashes to be said in churches. But then let's turn that around and say, well, we actually are dealing with a ton of hopelessness right now, whether it's headlines crises economic realities and and that is documented with millennials and gen z where where they're <laughs> most anxious most angry and most hopeless mm-hmm. generations and, and on, on documented for like rise in violence rise in crime yeah rise in prices rise, rise in people being evicted homelessness so yeah all of that yeah it's a it's a rough season for our world right now, and it doesn't seem like things are going to get better. So let's challenge each other to press towards more hope than we're able to to see. And this is a walk by faith and not by sight kind of moment. I, I mentioned in the sermon, too, and I, that I also blogged about this. I'll say it one more time. So you get it in sermon, in blog, and now in post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, how... There is more discussion in pastoral circles about how to build crisis care into Christian discipleship mm-hmm. because uh, at least the majority culture churches, that hasn't been a traditional Right. Locus. And I did like that you pointed out that it was a majority culture church right. issue that yep. minority cultures are saying uh right yeah oh now <laughs> now you want to listen to us I I I get yeah. those dynamics yeah. but yeah, just thinking through um, if the traditional categories, at least in the context that I come from, don't include that sort of crisis care. That's precisely where a lot of the drag and distress is coming from for people in our churches. And how do we get better? Mm-hmm. Not only so up until this point over the past couple of years, it just feels like we've been playing a lot of defense with um, scrambling from one crisis to the next and giving ad hoc care, but how do we how do we build a deeper resiliency? And I guess that's 
part of what we're doing with Represence Initiative and Practices of Presence to grow deeper roots and gain a deeper, deeper anchor in Jesus to buffet ourselves better mm-hmm. or to buffer ourselves against the buffeting of yep. what happens in the world. But it does seem like a need of the moment to do so. Yep, for sure. Um, Happy thoughts all yeah, the time, Yeah, I know. Everybody. I'm like, I don't have, how do I transition into like your, your uh, jokes? <laughs> <laughs> Your barbine cover tunes. Right. I guess we can transition by talking about the more serious ones. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What uh, moving to barbine cover tunes? What what quotes? I probably missed some of them. Sure. So on the on the more serious side first, there's this article by Jonathan Haidt. It was in the Atlantic, and it's called "Why the Past Ten Years of American Life Have Been Uniquely Stupid," <laughs> which I think is a a good title and. He's a thinker, M, that I, I don't think it's inappropriate for me to say that the firm, the business that you're working for, uses this author's uh, thought a lot. And I think he is a really, really smart guy. So we have a Jonathan Haidt book on your side of the of the bed that you're working through. More recently, he just came out with this article talking about how social media and otherwise we, we are people that lack nuance and can't mm-hmm. have conversations about things and it's getting worse and so he went all the way back to james madison federalist papers to talk about how even the founding of our republic madison and others were aware of the fact that people have this inward tendency i'm not sure where i'd have to go back and check like where was madison in terms of christianity you have some founding fathers that were christians others were theists uh, less theistic but yeah, to me, there's a direct line from the total depravity of human beings, our sinful nature, towards our propensity for factionalism. And that's what Madison was talking about right. in the Federalist Papers. It okay. was there. And, and Clara missed your Hamilton reference. Right. She was, disappointed. She was out. She was um, helping Liberty Kids Liber- one. Yeah, she was. Yeah, so the tiny people that she Madison did write. Loves. Madison did write a few of the Federalist yeah. Papers. You'll have to quote Hamilton next. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and and then also there is an article uh, called "The Singularity Is Here" by a writer named Ayad Akhtar talking about, and again, this is not a controversial idea, but how technology, social media, advertising algorithms are designed to make you angrier, and that's mm-hmm. uh, that the and there is a shift, maybe close to ten years ago now, where. Facebook began there or there was a time earlier on in Facebook where your news feed was the sum total of all of your friends posting things mm-hmm. that, yep. that that was Facebook earlier on but then Facebook shifted to the algorithm where it wasn't just in an unbiased way showing you what other people are posting but targeting you uh-huh. with certain posts the ones that were gathering the most attention which tended to be the ones that were more extremist where yeah. there was arguing yeah. arguing and yeah passionate debate and or passionate like affirmation yeah and so we're we're people that are are in deep trouble if uh-huh. if that's what we're discipled by so those couple of things going in contemporary culture directions and we also had John Mark Comer who was talking about how Jesus needs to be our center more than any political alliance. I'll, I'll say about that real quick. Um, there's 
so we'll, we'll talk about third way walking worldview here at Liberty Collingswood. That that idea has come under fire in some Christian, not at Liberty Collingswood. I haven't heard pushback about it, but um, uh, but the critique can be given as churches talk about trying to reach a third way and not being captive to the right or to the left, that it's a position of privilege where you have the space and luxury to say, hey, we're not going to get involved mm-hmm. with with hard political conversations and, and choices. That That's not what I mean by third way walk and worldview, mm-hmm. where, where we have the luxury of being above the fray. What I mean is that we shouldn't construct our identities, political or otherwise, by taking or sometimes third way can mean we're just lowest common denominator mm-hmm. from the buffets of the right and on the left. Or none, just being willing to say we're, we're above this and right. like either below yeah. like lowest common denominator or just above, I don't care about any of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so, e- so either one. What, what we're intending by that here at Liberty Collingswood is that a robust Christian worldview is and should be biblical all the way through from the ground up. Mm-hmm. So we're bothering, we're borrowing neither from right or left or any secular ideologies, ideally speaking, but instead we're, we're constructing a biblical worldview from our source material, the scriptures that will sometimes appear to be right leaning or left leaning in different instances, but it's, it's actually neither of those things because we're just trying to follow it what God says right. and, and, and let, let the scriptures lead. So mm-hmm. yeah, the third way walk in worldview is not, Hey, we're just going to bury our heads in the sand and, and not have hard things. So yeah, like we should work out implications and, and I hope I'm striking a balance of saying, so with the shootings, Buffalo Uvalde, third way walk in worldview does not mean we shouldn't have an opinion about violence and gun control. Mm-hmm. That, that would be a misapplication of right. the principle. I think people should think through policy implications right. for that and have opinions that are deeply informed by the scriptures. So those conversations are actually good and vital. We should say and not... like over the scriptures, over the constitution even. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Yeah, no, yeah. For so, 100% yeah, true. No, I'm, like, I am, there I'm are not disagreeing with that. There are some people who hold to the constitutional value like higher than scripture. Like higher than common sense, so yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, no, it's <laughs> it's uh, sola scriptura. That's what we need to do and say. So, so yeah. we had that. We had John Mark Comer. We had David Foster Wallace about <laughs> cynicism, postmodern cynicism, uh-huh. as just our our default irony is the name of the game right now. Uh, Foster Wallace, what a what a great guy. I. I miss him. And and then we have the the more frivolous ones. So we had the Ferris Bueller. Which I didn't catch. I only caught after you talked to Claire about it. I actually, I, what I caught was, I wrote, is that a reference question mark? So I, I, could tell that that, a... I could tell that you were doing something, but I was like, I don't know what this is. Yeah, maybe it was gratuitous. I, I had right before that referenced The Rock, the Best Picture winner from 1996. <laughs> And then we also had, towards the end of the sermon, and this is one that you didn't catch as well, there was a, a low-key Philadelphia Eagles reference when I said at the end of the, towards the end of the sermon that at the end of the day, God is all we've got, but he's also all we need. That was a slogan 
started by Malcolm Jenkins, I think, in the Eagles Super Bowl year. One of their one of their mottos was "We all we got, we all we need." And the the real time calculation that I was making sometimes with sermons you were trying to wake up the people I, who were thinking about football. <laughs> the, <laughs> sometimes with sermons, I or, or within within each sermon, some of the language that I use is, is pre planned beforehand and I try to lock it into memory so I can say some things in specific ways but then others are riffs riffs in real time and so God's all we got God's all we need was not pre-planned but that the calculation was after I said God's all we got I had the thought hey I could end this phrase with that's all we need but then that is an Eagles reference. Would it be distracting to people <laughs> if I appropriate an Eagles reference when we're talking about relying upon God? But then I thought, most people are not going to get that reference anyway, so it's probably okay. And the ones that will get it actually really like the Eagles, and so it would be reinforcing and not distracting. So I decided Wait, to you end went that through, phrase. Yeah, and he went through all of that in the, like, 0.5 seconds. Yeah, that, that's that's the speaker's brain right there, baby. Those are the sorts of things that you consider. So I, I just went with it. And for those that caught the reference, you you're welcome. It? Helen Wolves. Postsendingblues <laughs> at gmail.com. Let us know. Um. <laughs> So I, I hope it was appreciated by at least one person. I, I actually can predict who it is. Who it is? Well, who, I'll, the one person. I'll, yeah. I'll, well, at least one person. I. Yeah. <laughs> we shall see. I'll take the over the under on that. Your guess. Um, <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> um. Yeah. Those were all the bar band cover tunes I had. Okay. I wrote down Bugs Bunny, Elmer Fudd, oh, yeah, and Homer right. Simpson, but. Oh yeah, we, don't, we can. Skip oh no, those. I forgot they're, this. They're so wait, 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 let's 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 not let's not gloss over. So, yeah, Bugs Bunny Nimrod. Bugs would call is Elmer Fudd. Real, is that Nimrod. the real source of the word? That's interesting. Yeah, Genesis chapter ten, a okay. mighty hunter be, before the Lord, okay. and so there there are some interpreters that say that Nimrod's being praised there, so it's a positive allusion, uh-huh. a positive reference. But, but Bugs Bunny morphed it, twisted. Yeah, so distortions. So, so, of... so you could actually go to Mr. Googly and look at uh, Bugs Bunny Nimrod, and there are some people that think that Bugs. It misuse the reference because Nimrod is a positive figure in Genesis chapter 10. But then there are others that say, well, actually, Nimrod was the forerunner of Assyria, Babylon, Bible bad guys oh, in the ancient world. Yeah. And so Bugs was, Bugs was correct, yes, in giving a negative yeah. ascription to Nimrod, Laying which is battle, certainly guys. how he used it in leveraging himself against Elmer Fudd. So that was fun. And then, yeah, the Simpsons reference came from you. I think I mentioned yeah, even that on the sermon. Yeah, it was another Atlantic article, by was, the way. Was it? I for, <laughs> I, so I, I had meant to go back and check with you. Hey, what was the, what uh-huh. was the reference I on that? I, I just know it was from the Atlantic, but... Okay. Um, yeah. The, the death of and the And Marge was working, class. by the way. He, she just was, like, working, but enough to, like, come home sometimes. And the, right. the whole idea was kind of that they could buy a house with... Uh, and then, like, I, yeah, anyway, I think his home, someone did a deep dive, and Homer's dad actually helped them with the down payment for the house. <laughs> I mean, just went back and watched a ton of Simpsons. Yeah, like, they, they crushed uh, whoever Simpsons it was, episodes. was trying to, like, understand, uh, yeah. Or was tried, I don't, I don't even remember, but 
Okay. Anyway, it is true that like it is hard to be a high school graduate and own a house and a car. Yeah. And have two kids. Yeah. The the Three the last kids. The last comedic and illust or an animated reference I'll I'll make last week. I also a, a friend of mine who lives in New York saw Philip Glass, and I, I forget if he's alive. So Philip Glass, the composer. Maybe he was in person, or if he's not alive. I think he's alive. So I saw him in New York performing one of his things. If you want a funny minute, go ahead and look on YouTube for South Park Philip Glass, who at, at South Park Elementary gave a non-denominational, non-offensive Christmas extravaganza, which is pretty great. Nice. So anyway, okay, that's all I got. Stories, leftovers? That's all we need. Uh, guitar slim pickings. The one thing I have here um, is to say I appreciated the feedback that I received last week after I posted the video about mm-hmm. giving some orientation about how to respond to the shootings in Uvalde. So I I do not not just from a stroking my ego perspective. I, I hope like I I do want to I do value feedback like that because I'm still trying to figure out. And this goes back to discipleship in crisis. What what's helpful for me as a pastor to try to do and give to people as they feel what they're feeling in the wake of tragedies and headlines and that sort of thing. So I I guess I'll try to do do a little bit more of that mm-hmm. when hard things come down the pike. My my thought process was were the shootings on Tuesday this past this, this past week. I don't remember the. So pushing back the darkness of digital Babylon, if we'd wait until Sunday morning to yeah. give some reflections and content, that's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday of mm-hmm. people, and not that people only like listen and watch bad content. There's We have a lot of wise Christian brothers and sisters at Liberty Collingswood who, who are careful as they engage and receive news and social media and that sort of thing but still thinking hey there's a lot of days where there's no liberty Collingswood voice before it's added to the discussion in the wake of these shootings and i wanted to get something out earlier and thank you for the feedback right yeah good stuff um and with that i think that's all yeah we'd we'd love to hear from you a couple more weeks until we're gonna take a break on post sunday blues so let us know now if there is anything that you want us to engage. We have two more sermons from the Genesis Sermon Series and then two more post-Sunday blues. And then we're on the beach. Some of us. <laughs> That's where I'm going. Okay. Um, and with that, how was it? That was amazing. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem production of Liberty Collingswood. Go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe, and you can find all things Liberty Collingswood at libertycollingswood.org. No more post-Sunday blues. Here comes some pre-Sunday happy. You have a strained hair look today. (laughs) 